Hello my crime beacons and welcome back to Kaleidoscope of Crime, the true crime podcast where I jump on my soapbox and rant and occasionally swear and rave about all things Canadian true crime. If you like your podcast to be professional and your host to keep their opinions to themselves, then this is probably not the show for you. However, if you'd like your podcast done by a host who is sincere and empathetic to victims and families, then welcome. I haven't released an episode in a very long while, and I don't make any excuses for that. I'm just going to dive right back in and hopefully keep on going. I hope you will stick with me, and although I might not release regularly, I won't completely stop because it's important to give a voice to the victims who cannot speak and to raise awareness about cases that just don't get the attention they deserve. Because everyone and every family deserves answers and justice. So, with all of that out of the way, let's look into the Kaleidoscope Viewfinder and take a look at the missing persons cases of Caitlin Brandy Potts and Deanna Woods. If you will remember my crime beacons, in my last long-ago episode, I discussed the case of Nicole Bell. Around the same time, four other women went missing in the same area as Nicole. Two would later be found deceased, and today I would like to discuss the two women who still remain missing. For this episode, I will be talking about Caitlin Potts and Deanna Woods. I would like to start with the disappearance of Caitlin Potts. Caitlin is a stunningly beautiful Indigenous woman who was a member of the Samson Cree First Nation tribe near Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. She is a daughter, mom, sister, friend, and cousin, but most importantly, she is a person. Caitlin has been missing since February 22, 2016, and she needs to be found. At the time of her disappearance, she had been in an abusive relationship with a man by the name of Jason Hanadian for several years. But in spite of this, she maintained her loving, caring, family-oriented attitude and personality. Even though she would often show up at her sister Cody's home, battered and beaten, she was still determined to continue on and to do well in life. Her Instagram has many uplifting posts and shows a love of nature and animals and an enthusiasm for life, as well as a sincere desire and effort to live a healthier and better lifestyle. In 2014, Jason Hanadiak had brutally beaten and abused Caitlin in front of a hotel in Edmonton, which was caught on CCTV cameras and police were involved in this assault. There seems to have been a lack of action at that time, and this would not have given Caitlin any confidence in turning to the police when she needed to. And then, in 2015, Jason Hanadiak moved to NWC, and Caitlin followed him a few months later. This would have then isolated her from her family and other support systems that she knew, which is absolutely tragic and heartbreaking, but a very classic sign of an abusive relationship. We don't know for sure if Caitlin was living with Jason or if she was living with a roommate at the time, but we do know that she was working at Tim Hortons and had gone back to school to try and better herself. She was determined to do better, no matter how difficult life was, no matter how challenging, she was a strong, powerful force who was determined to do well. And on her Instagram, you see that she was embracing the environment around her and going for drives 
in the mountains and loving every minute of it. She may have been struggling with addictions, she may have been struggling with an abusive relationship and trying to get and stay out of that, but she was determined to do well and she was living her life to the fullest and there was no reason for her to disappear on February 22, 2016. Whatever has happened to her does not seem to be of her own free will and it is not something that either she or her family deserves. Nor does her family deserve the agony of not knowing what happened to her, where she went, or really anything. On that day, February 22, 2016, Caitlin's sister, Cody, who was living in Calgary at the time, received a Facebook message from Caitlin's account in which she said that she was coming to stay with her sister in Calgary. She said she had found a ride with someone she'd met on QDG, which is a classified ad website. Caitlin never arrived, and it isn't known for sure if that message was actually sent by her or if someone else had sent it. Her family reported her missing to the Enderby RCMP detachment on March 1st. And here is where we get into that often said statement that police are slow to act on missing persons cases, especially Indigenous missing persons cases, and this may be the case here with Caitlin as well. Because although she was reported missing on March 1st, RCMP did not release any sort of an alert to the public until March 21st, a full 20 days after her family reported her missing. As we all know, crime beacons, every minute counts in a missing persons case, and Caitlin had already been missing a week when RCMP were alerted to her disappearance, and they waited another 20 days to let the public know? This does not help, and is in fact a major hindrance to finding a person when you wait 20 days to even let people know to look for them. And in the five years since Caitlin's disappearance, not much has happened to soothe her family's feelings of being overlooked and forgotten. For the past five years, Caitlin's mom, Priscilla, has done everything she can to try to find her daughter. She has released statements reminding people of her beautiful, amazing daughter, Caitlin. She's organized and attended vigils and ceremonies to honor Caitlin and many other missing I spoke very briefly with Priscilla for this episode, and she strikes me as a powerful, loving, dedicated mother and grandmother who is in absolute agony, and she does not deserve this. She put me in touch with the family advocate, Victoria Love, who has worked tirelessly to help find missing women, and most especially Caitlin. They have organized searches and just like Jane Aubertay, the mother of missing woman Nicole Bell from my last episode, she has gone on many of these searches for her daughter. And I cannot imagine what these mothers experience, not only on these searches, but day to day, just not knowing and wanting to find their daughters and feeling like they are not heard or valued by the media or the public or even police. Jane has experienced that she is valued by the police, but that is not Priscilla's experience, and that just shouldn't be. All families should experience the same level of care and attention. These mothers should not be out searching woods and ditches for their daughters. They should be making memories with them. 
They should be laughing and joking, exchanging texts, and having FaceTime chats, and just living life with their children. No mother or father should ever have to search for their child. That should be the job of the police. As I mentioned earlier, on August 24, 2014, Jason had assaulted Caitlin. And it wasn't until May 2017 that Jason finally appeared in court on assault charges relating to that event. This was more than a year after Caitlin's disappearance and nearly three years after it had first occurred. If he had been charged and gone to court sooner, maybe Caitlin would have still been in Alberta and maybe she would still be present in her life and with the people she loves. In a cruel, cruel twist, Caitlin's mom, Priscilla, had to sit in court and watch the surveillance tape and see what Jason did to her beloved daughter. I cannot imagine how horrendous that must be for Priscilla and anyone else who knew Caitlin. To watch the horrific beating she had endured at the hands of someone she loved and to know that she is missing and to feel like no one cared must be an unimaginable horror. No one deserves this. Jason was found guilty on the charges of breaching a no-contact order with Caitlin and assault with a weapon. Although he wasn't found guilty on charges of uttering threats and depriving a person of their property. I have no idea what his sentence was, but either way, it seems a lot too late, in my opinion. As if this wasn't all bad enough, this waste of skin and air had the audacity to say that he had never been in a relationship with Caitlin and they were just friends. He tried to say she had come to Enderby to escape abuse from a relative and that he had refused to let her live with him. I think I believe in unicorns and fairies more than I believe that despicable statement that only seems to be designed to further traumatize and harm Caitlin's family and her men. About a month before Jason went to trial in April 2017, police announced that they believe that Caitlin is the victim of a homicide, although they gave absolutely no details to explain why they believed this or if they have any suspects in her presumed murder. What they did do, though, was they released surveillance footage of Caitlin entering the Orchard Park Mall on February 21, 2016, which they are calling the last confirmed sighting of Caitlin. But otherwise, they have not released any new information in regards to her disappearance or her presumed murder. In the years since then, Priscilla continues her search for Caitlin with little or no assistance or direction from police. However, 2021 was a really bad year in the search for Caitlin Potts. A waffle, we would call it a raffle, but for Facebook reasons they called it a waffle, had to be cancelled due to a lack of interest, and the money had to be refunded to those who did purchase tickets. And then, due to wildfires, the planned search had to be cancelled, and then a vigil that was supposed to be held in Enderby was also cancelled. However, they were able to hold a vigil at the Alberta Legislature grounds on Monday, August 6, 2021. I would like to thank Advocate Victoria Love for the tireless effort she has put into organizing all of these events and supporting Caitlin's family through this ordeal and also for taking the time to help me know Caitlin better. 
Victoria is a wonderful, caring person, and I hope that both she and Priscilla can forgive me for this awful delay and that I have done Caitlin justice in their lives. She sounds like the sort of strong, fun, effervescent friend we all want to have, and whoever removed her from this world should be found and held accountable. And Caitlin's loved ones deserve to have her back and to lay her to rest if she is gone. While it does seem likely that Caitlin is gone, and that Jason Hanadiak would be a good suspect in her murder, there has been a lot of public speculation about another man by the name of Curtis Sagmon, because he was residing near Caitlin at the time of her disappearance, and the remains of Tracy Jenneru would be found on his parents' property, leading to much speculation that he may be involved in the disappearances of other women, such as Nicole Bell, Caitlin Potts, Deanna Works, and Ashley Simpson. Since then, Ashley Simpson's remains have been found, and her boyfriend is currently awaiting trial in her death. But Deanna Wirtz and Nicole Bell are still missing, with no trace or clue as to what happened to them. But as far as the public is aware, there is no evidence to point either to Jason Hanadiak or Curtis Sagmon as the killer of Caitlin Potts. Really, there is no evidence to point to anything that we are aware of. So I guess either scenario is possible. But regardless, answers need to be found, justice needs to be sought. And so on that note, if anyone saw or spoke to Caitlin around this time, please come forward and talk to police. Even if you don't think your information is important or significant, it might be. It could be the smallest detail that leads to the answers. So please, if you knew Caitlin, if you spoke to Caitlin, if you saw Caitlin, please contact the RCMP. At the time of her disappearance, Caitlin was only 27 years old. She was only 5 foot 3 and 150 pounds. She had long, shiny black hair, beautiful brown eyes, and a big, bright smile. If you knew her, if you saw her, Please contact the RCMP Southeast District Major Crime Unit Information Line at 1-877-987-8477. For anonymous tips, you can always call BC Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. In addition to this, there is an active GoFundMe that is used to pay for the use of private investigators in the search for Caitlin. These private investigators have been hired by the family and are not cheap. So, if you could help, please consider donating to Caitlin's GoFundMe, which will be at the top of the show notes. Her son is a teenager now and wants to go out searching for his mother, and that is absolutely heartbreaking that a young man feels the need to go look for his missing mother. No child should experience that. No mother should experience that. Absolutely nobody. So please, if you have the answers, please contact the Major Crime Unit and please tell what you know.
And now, my crime beacons, I would like to tell you about the missing person, Deanna Wurtz. Unfortunately, I was not able to find a lot of information about Deanna Wurtz and who she was as a person. Most of the articles that I read were about Nicole Bell, Ashley Simpson, Tracy Jenner, and Deanna, all of whom went missing around the same time and place over an 18-month period. Deanna seems to have become a small footnote on this list. Perhaps because there are no ongoing searches for Deanna, or press releases from police, or due to a lack of media interest, or simply a lack of any new information, Deanna seems to have been largely forgotten in the public eye. It is exactly because of this lack of information that I think it is important to talk about Deanna Wirtz. She may have taken a back burner to other cases, but she is still important to her brother Dale and her sisters Dawn and Alana, who are still hurting and whose hearts are still searching for their sister, Deanna, and the answers to what happened to her on July 19, 2016. They may not be out actively searching for Deanna, but they still miss her and want the answers to what happened to her that day, as well as justice for her if necessary. Deanna isn't just another missing Indigenous woman on a long list or a footnote in an article about missing women in British Columbia. She is a living, breathing German Indigenous woman who, like all of us, had adversities, struggles, and triumphs and joys in her life. She had a husband, two sisters, a brother, nieces and nephews who all love and miss her and who deserve to find her. Right now, all they know is that after her husband went to work, she talked to several family members on the phone that day. She was planning a visit with her sister Alana to meet her nieces and nephews and talked about going for a hike in the mountains around her home on Yankee Flats Road near Salmon Arm, BC. This wasn't an unusual activity for Deanna because she was a very avid hiker and had walked the mountains around Yankee Flats Road many times over the previous 15 years. She knew those mountains well, and there was no cause for concern as she headed out on July 19, 2016. Nothing seemed unusual to the people she talked to that day, who all said she seemed happy and her usual self, and was looking forward to her visit with her sister Alana. The only unusual thing as she walked out the door into a beautiful July day was that she did not take her dog with her. Now, I don't know why this is or if it is significant. All I do know is that Deanna never came home from that walk, and that night her husband reported her missing right away. Police acted quickly in Deanna's case. They conducted an extensive search by ground and air, utilizing searchers on foot and ATV as well as helicopters in the air. They searched for five days, assisted by Deanna's family and other volunteers, and covered five square kilometers, but they found nothing. Now, I'm not sure if their lack of finding Deanna is because they searched such a small area, because if Deanna was going to be gone all day, we kind of need to know exactly how far she could have walked in that time. And I know I can cover five kilometers in an hour and a half. So did they search far enough? I'm not sure. I'm not an expert. That's just my question and my opinion. Take it for what it's worth. What I do know is that they did search those five square kilometers, but then it seemed to just go 
completely dead after that. There doesn't seem to have been any more public interest by the police in finding Deanna. At the time of her disappearance, Deanna's case was given a higher priority and the sense of urgency was heightened because of the disappearance of Ashley Simpson on April 27, 2016. Ashley had also disappeared from the age of Flats Road, so this definitely seemed very worrisome. Although RCMP publicly stated that they didn't believe the disappearances were linked, it definitely gave them a heightened sense of urgency to find Deanna and Ashley. Because it's very odd to have two women go missing from the same road within three months of one another. But in spite of this, they seem to have dropped Deanna's case. And although Ashley Simpson has since been found, it took five years for that to happen. In the years since Deanna disappeared, her brother and sisters have done their best to keep Deanna's name in the press. In 2021, a sign was posted along the Highway of Tears bearing Deanna's picture and information about her disappearance to remind motorists that she is still gone and needs to be found. At that time, her younger brother Dale publicly stated that he believes his sister is the victim of foul play and that this belief, coupled with the knowledge that the person he believes to be responsible hasn't been brought to justice, has led him to struggle with depression which is so sad but understandable. And I have utmost respect for Dale in his struggle and I hope that he is doing better. He has also said that he'd like to see more government and police resources and investigators on the job, which I can't argue with that one. With the number of unsolved cases we have in Canada, it is evidence that more needs to be done. Her sister Alana has also said that investigators told her that although they have leads in the other missing women's cases, they have none in Deanna's case. I wonder why that is. And not only do I wonder why they don't have any leads in Deanna's case, but I also think that that must be so heart-wrenching to hear, and I think it's a cold and callous thing to say. Due to this lack of leads, absolutely anything is possible in Deanna's case. It's possible something happened on her hike, but it's also possible that Dale is right and she came to some form of foul play on July 19, 2016. Dale's theory seems all the more plausible when you know that in October 2017, the remains of Tracy Kennery were found on the property of the parents of a man named Curtis Sagnon on Salmon River Road which is a road adjacent to Yankee Flats Road where Deanna was missing when she disappeared. The two roads are very close to one another, so it is conceivable that Curtis and Deanna could have met at some point. No one has been charged in the death of Tracy Jenner who was found on the Sagnoni property, and although an extensive search was performed on the property, no other remains were found. But in spite of this, I am sure that the finding of Tracy Jenner's remains is a factor in what Dale has to say and in his story. We don't know what happened to Deanna, and I don't speculate one way or the other. But in case someone does hold the answers, I will go over Deanna works if I can find information. Deanna was last seen on Yankee Flats Road on July 19, 2016. She was 46 years old and is 5 feet 3 inches tall 
and weighs approximately 135 pounds at the time of her disappearance. She had shoulder-length dark brown hair, brown eyes, and real glasses. She was last seen wearing a gray t-shirt and gray cut-off sweatpants. If you do have any information in the disappearance of Deanna Wirtz, it's time to give her family some answers. So please, come forward and give that information to the RCMP or Crime Stoppers so that her family can finally be at peace and lay her to rest. If you do have this information, please contact Crime Stoppers at 1-800-227-8477 to leave an anonymous tip. I appreciate everyone who listens to my podcast. I may not be very good at posting regularly, but I do think that the cases I talk about are incredibly important. Caitlin Potts was important, and it's important to find her. She was in an abusive relationship at the time of her disappearance, and I can totally relate to that experience and what could have happened to her. And I think it's very important that we find her and we find answers for her family. We don't know a lot about Deanna and her life, but she was a human being, and she deserves to be known and remembered and found, and her family deserves some peace and some answers to what happened to her. So please, if you know anything about either of these disappearances, contact BC Crime Stoppers, leave an anonymous tip, do whatever you can to get that information out there. It is so important. The pain these families are feeling must be so unbearable and incredible, and they don't deserve it. Thank you for listening to Kaleidoscope of Crime, and although I may not be regular, I will not stop releasing episodes. The sources I used in the making of this particular episode were Castanet News, Salmon Arm Observer, APTN News, Penticton Western News, BBC, CTV News, The True Crime Files Podcast, Vancouver City News, Missing Caitlin Brandy Potts Facebook page, as well as a conversation with Victoria Love, who is an advocate for Caitlin Potts and other missing women. Thank you to all of these people and news outlets for the work which allows me to do this episode about Caitlin Potts and Deanna Works. May both of these women be found and may answers be found in all missing persons cases because all of their loved ones deserve these answers. Take care everyone and see you in the next one.